Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Beth. Jenna. Hello. You're so close to my face. We're very close right now. We're sharing a mic. Like the good old days. <gasps> in the closet? Do you remember the first time we ever recorded a podcast in your coat closet? It was a little itty two-foot closet. Tiny. I think we Basically, sat on I was same, on your lap. We sat on the same stool even. Anyway, <laughs> unfortunately for our guest, she has to see us be this close. It's not just a closet where no one can see it. <laughs> she gets her own mic, though. Hi, Mary. <laughs> hey, ladies. How are you doing? <laughs> We're cozy. <laughs> Mary Kastner, I would love to ask you to introduce yourself. I grew up in Pennsylvania, in a really small town, and went to Steubenville for college. And now I'm a youth minister full-time in Phoenix, Arizona. And outside of that, I'll do worship and speak and all sorts of ministry stuff. So fun. And that's how we know you. Mm-hmm. We go on the road with you to all of our Blessed Is She retreats. Mary, I'm so curious, when did you first pick up an instrument? Was it piano? How did you start? So I started late, well, later than most, I feel like, more in high school. My dad got me a guitar when I was 12, and it sat and collected dust for two years. Didn't do anything with it. And I went to a concert to see this man called Phil Kagey. And he's a Christian guitar player. Like, if you're a guitar player, you probably know who Phil Kagey is kind of a thing. And they say that when you go to see him play, you react in one of two ways. Either you want to really learn how to play guitar or you want to burn every guitar you own because you know you'll never be that good. No way. Yeah. So two years after getting the guitar, I saw Phil and I was like, I want to do that. My dad plays and works for Martin Guitar. So they call him the enigma at work because (laughs) he's left-handed And he taught himself how to play and he flipped a guitar over instead of switching the strings and playing left-handed. So it doesn't translate at all. So I had to teach myself. And then when my parents saw that I was taking it seriously and like, oh, this is something she's actually going to do, then they started getting me lessons. I'm curious how you landed on youth ministry. I mean, you do music for Blessed Is She for us at our monthly nights and you come on retreat with us. Do you wish to be a full-time music minister? I mean, I would love that. Okay. I'd absolutely love that. I didn't know if you like maybe preferred one over the other. All of it is life-giving to me right now, the way my life is, which I love. I love being able to have the freedom to do music ministry and speak and to just parachute in to places. But I also love that with my youth ministry, I get to still walk with people and see them, (laughs) you know, like and disciple them and really build relationships. I feel that deeply as a former youth minister. There's something to like being rooted in a parish or even in a small group, Mm -hmm. like that you have an ongoing relationships and you're seeing growth over time, Mm -hmm. even though when you're in it, sometimes you can't quite (laughs) see all that the Lord is doing, but God so blesses like that persevering faithfulness in ministry. Yeah, Absolutely in my own ministry right now, I'm getting back into intercessory prayer for the people in my ministries. And there is this one kid in particular that I started really intentionally, like daily interceding for, hardcore atheist and very Mm -hmm. argumentative, but he's always there. 
and two weeks after I started interceding for him, he came to an event and he goes, oh, you know that you cat thing you got me like three years ago? And I was like, yeah, Garrett, what? And he goes, I read the whole thing over Christmas. I was like, what? Excuse me? Wow. And I was like, why? And he was like, I mean, it's not that hard, Mary. <laughs> you know? I was like, okay, cool, Garrett, you know? But it's neat to see the growth and the effect of that intercessory prayer right now in the season of ministry. Praise the Lord. That was really cool. Mary, one of my favorite things about doing life, doing <laughs> ministry with you, is that when we pray, there's a language of intimacy that mm. you just default to. You don't even need to warm up. It's mm. right there on the tip of your tongue to relate to the Lord in a mm. really uh, personal way. The way you speak about God is as though He is real and He's right in front of us, which is true. Right. <laughs> but right. I'm just, I'm curious, where did you learn intimacy with God like that? For a long time, ever since I was little, I had a relationship. And what I can remember from the start of it was I went to a very, very small Catholic grade school. And I was definitely not one of the cool kids. Mm -hmm. And I felt very much on the outskirts. But I have memories of being on the playground and almost like you would picture an imaginary friend like as a kid. I would picture Mary and Jesus with me. I would actually like talk to them and like play with them. I actually don't know if I hadn't had that experience of being on the outskirts or feeling bullied, if I would have developed as real of a relationship with them. I would just talk to them out loud and it never stopped because I recognized that it wasn't just imaginary. They were there. What's so beautiful about that is that is what prayer is. And somehow as we grow up, we have to learn that that's what prayer is. It's like we've forgotten how to have relationships, or mm -hmm. we don't think the same rules of relationship apply to relationship with the Lord. So then it takes a <laughs> lot of teaching and practice to relate our hearts to God and to Mary like they're real people with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, Lucy, my six-year-old, we were talking about being kids or something. And she's like, mom, you are a kid. <laughs> I was like, really? You think so? She's like, yeah, you're God's kid. I was like, oh, that's so no. true. And that reminds me of that. Just like, yeah. I just think it's a beautiful witness for you to have that as a child and mm. to experience that. And what you're saying, Beth, like as adults, we have so much undoing we have to do yeah. to really come to the Lord in intimacy and prayer because for so long, we didn't have that intimate relationship with the Lord. We have to just be little kids again on the playground. <laughs> you know, I think even like reading great saints like Therese, who talks about a childlike spirituality or mm -hmm. becoming little in prayer, even in the Gospels, Jesus again and again says like to become like little children. Somehow in our like religious brains, we've made that some super spiritual thing when mm -hmm. it really is as simple as playing on the playground <laughs> with Jesus and Mary. Oh, totally. Then I remember even like telling myself when I was like 12, I remember this like moment where I actually was like, Lord, don't let me ever forget what it was like to be a kid. It just clicked. And I think part of it were the experience of learning about those little saints like Therese or mm -hmm. the children at Fatima or Bernadette and recognizing that Jesus just loves it when you're little. He loves it when you're little in every way. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I noticed that when we're praying at our Blessed She Nights or at retreat, but mostly at the Blessed Is She Nights when, you know, we'll be in worship and, you know, you'll just be spontaneously praying and kind of guide us in this idea and imaginative prayer of putting ourselves 
in the father's lap mm, um yeah and you refer to the lord as papa and mm-hmm. so i can see that in your prayer and again like as beth said for me it's just such a witness of that you do have this relationship with the lord that you nurture as we've talked about in the past in your secret place you know mm, yeah. that you have such a beautiful relationship with him that you share with us every month and I wish for more. Something I've loved that you've shared with me in the past too is starting with praise and worship, which leads you into silence. We've talked about it before how sometimes we'll be listening to worship like on a plane Mm. and we have some of our best prayer on planes kind of after starting in worship. But if you wouldn't mind maybe just sharing just your general idea about the idea of praise and worship leading into kind of silence and contemplative prayer. Oh, totally. Because I started learning how to worship lead in college. And before that, I thought, oh, I know how to pray with music or how to worship lead because I can play a guitar. And I had no idea. I didn't know what I was doing. And there was a priest in Steubenville who mentored me. And he was the first person to show me that you can have a clear destination in worship instead of it being this ambiguous, follow the Holy Spirit, which a lot of times I feel like it ends up being this like, do what feels good. <laughs> and, and and it's not helpful to the worship leader because they're like, where am I leading these people? Or what am I doing? Or how do I go? Understanding that, like in the catechism, it talks about vocal prayer leads ultimately to contemplative prayer. And that's the goal. It was actually life-changing for my prayer life, starting with praise and worship and then ending in silence. Like my mind is a puppy dog. So I'm always constantly in prayer, like, back over here, like, come back over. <laughs> what I notice is when I actually use praise and worship for like 15, 20 minutes to start leading into the silence, I can actually focus and hear the Lord way more clearly than if I just dove right into silence and tried to focus from there. When I start with worship, I've found that those are usually the moments where when I do go into that profound silence, because there isn't as much of the distraction, the worship actually like focuses me. Some of the legitimate criticism that people have of worship is that it's not going somewhere. It's mm-hmm. not intending to lead to contemplative prayer. Yeah, It is emotionally driven. The way that you're describing worship, giving God our praise and our very full mind, so all the words in our mind, but framing them in scripture, which is most worship music. Yep. Mm-hmm. leads ultimately to this like broad place. I love when the Psalms talk about God giving us room or yeah. setting our feet in a broad place. Oh, absolutely. For me, I've had experiences, and maybe you guys have too, where I've been at like a concert, right? Where there's this profound moment where everything goes a cappella, and you just hear the assembly and the bride singing. Instead of landing there in the silence, I've had the experience of, then bands actually like then driving the next song and coming in really heavy and it's jarring. You're like, no, (laughs) we got there. Like we got to the presence, like we were there because I think it's the natural progression of the heart. I love worship so much. Like I've said multiple times on this podcast and in my life, like I want my life to be a life of worship, of physical surrender to the Lord. And Praise and worship is is a really big part of my personal prayer. But it's funny, we'll be at different kind of services, not Catholic services, and notice that 
there's kind of a a wanting to get to that tangible moment of contemplative yes. silence. You know, we have the Eucharist. We have Jesus. Yeah. We have a tangible, real presence of God mm-hmm. that we don't have to strive for in yes. worship because it's it's there, right? Yes. As Catholics, we have Jesus. Yeah. So it's fascinating because we'll see in these worship services at different denominations, mm-hmm. this kind of like striving to get there. Yeah. And all Beth and I are sitting there. We're like, you guys, we have it. Like <laughs> Jesus is real in the blessed sacrament. And oh, yeah. if only we had that tangible evidence right here in this building that everyone's striving to get to. Yeah, there is like a, a reaching, a, a striving is the perfect word, mm-hmm. which for us, is fleshed out in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. We don't have to earn it or manifest it ourselves. Yes. Right. And I right. think at times, worship on its own yes. can feel a lot like reaching or striving, even for like an emotional experience, mm-hmm. when really the point, as you mentioned about the catechism, mm-hmm. is to draw us into the ever-present presence, into silence and contemplative prayer. Yeah, absolutely. I did recently a a vlog episode where I talked about, there's a model of worship called the temple model. And it's in a nutshell, it's that it follows the structure of the Jerusalem temple, the three stages of the spiritual life, and basically how vocal prayer leads to silence and contemplative prayer. And after I posted it, it was really interesting because I found a lot of my friends who are in other denominations were reposting it. And they were like, please listen to this. Mm-hmm. I think this could really benefit your your prayer life, you know? And it was neat to see them connecting with it. And it was something new. It was something new for them that, and it made sense because it was scriptural. I think it's because it's true. Yeah. It makes mm-hmm. sense. We desperately need silence. I want to pour out my life before the Lord like an oil over yeah. his feet. I want to anoint him with my worship. But then he speaks and I'm quiet. Yeah. I love conversations like this. I'm so edified by it. Hearing you talk about the Lord, Mary, and talk about prayer and talk about the word makes me want to pray. Mm-hmm. It like makes me fall deeper in love with Jesus. So Mary, you know, I love to talk about intimate relationship with Jesus too. I love to talk about prayer and mm-hmm. undoing like false ideas of who God is and absolutely allowing mm-hmm. him to inform us with his actual nature and character. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite things to pray about, to talk about, to celebrate is God's faithfulness, Mm -hmm. that he's so steadfast and persevering in his faithfulness. So I'm curious, is there something that you love to think or pray with about who the Lord is? Yeah, I think it's something the Lord's really had to work on with me in understanding him is actually his gentleness. Mm. I really struggled for a long time to see him as gentle. I believed he loved me, but I also believed that if I messed up, he would kick my butt. And whenever I feel messy with the Lord, always there's something that happens where he shocks me with his gentleness and it wrecks me every time. Like, I try to run away, but I'm like, I know you're gentle. You've always been gentle with me. That's a good one, Mary. 
What is it for you when it comes to that characteristic of the Lord that he's always reminding you? Well, of? I thought I had an answer. And then <laughs> I thought of more answers. Yes. <laughs> I was going to originally say his desire for our freedom. I think that's huge to me to feel a sense of being free in the Lord. But a characteristic of him, I would say his mercy. Just the idea that his love will never go away. And a scripture that I'm really drawn to is when Jesus is washing his apostles' feet. And just the mercy that he gives to Judas, who's going to betray him, you know, immediately after washing his feet. The merciful heart of Jesus for each one of us, that no matter what we've done, no matter what we will do, his mercy is just pouring out. It's never yeah. ending. And then the third thing would be, <laughs> would be that he's kind. Yeah. That's just so good. Mm-hmm. He's so kind. His eyes are so kind. It's funny. Before you listed your third thing, <laughs> yeah. and after hearing Mary's, I was like, gosh, there are so many things I love about Jesus. But I would say most often after his faithfulness, mm-hmm. I come back to his kindness. His mercy, even the word mercy means loving kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, so I'm curious because we've mentioned that you've come on a lot of the retreats with us. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And done music and worship with us there. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Blessed Is She retreat moment besides all the car rides with me and Beth? <laughs> right, right. My favorite moment was it happened when we were in Houston for the Houston retreat this past year. Yeah. and. So I was positioned towards the front during adoration. So when Father Parks kind of did an altar call and invited people to come up to the Blessed Sacrament and just recommit their lives to Jesus, and women were just rushing to the front and locking eyes with the Eucharist Mm -hmm. and weeping and so sincere. It was so deeply moving. Like I started to cry at the front and I was just playing instrumental music Mm -hmm. underneath them. Praise God, I didn't have to sing in that moment. But I was just so deeply moved actually having a front row seat to seeing their faces and how authentic they were with Jesus. They were so real with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it was was a really just raw and beautiful moment, but that was my favorite. That's awesome. Jenna, do you have a moment? We were in Nashville for the Nashville retreat and it was... A crazy Friday evening for us at retreat. We had some technical difficulties, which is pretty rare for us. We haven't had a lot of issues at retreats, yeah. praise the Lord. But this night we did. We went from the hall to the church to go see how we would set up for adoration the following night. And we turned the corner. This cathedral is beautiful. You know, it's one of those places that kind of takes your breath away when you see it. Oh, yeah. It's just gorgeous. So we turned the corner and there was Jesus and the monstrance on the altar because we thought we were going to walk in and like turn on some lights and see how we were going to set the mood for adoration. And instead, Jesus was there. Wow. And there were probably a hundred young adults scattered all throughout this big cathedral. And they were just sitting there worshiping the Lord. And... I like ran in. I I couldn't get in there fast enough to Mm. go into this cathedral and step into heaven on earth. This like worship, quiet, simple, Mm. 
mm. moment of prayer and intimacy with Jesus and the monstrance and in the blessed sacrament, which when you're planning an event, you don't really ever get that oh, because absolutely. you're always thinking of what's happening on the back end. You're always thinking what song is coming up next. I have to put the next slide up or, you know, are there enough skinny pop bags for everyone? <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> skinny pop always goes first. <laughs> you know, there's so much you're thinking about. It's rare that you take a moment to receive and not know what's coming next. So it was just like the most tender, special time where the Lord was like, I just came here for you. Like, just be here. You're not in charge. You don't have to run the next thing. Yeah. Beth, do you have a favorite moment? I've never asked you before. In Houston, right before I was going up to speak, I was on the side of the stage Mm. and and we were in worship. Oftentimes, I want to get really small in worship, in prayer. So I was kneeling and I I was just like wanting to be at the Lord's feet. I wanted to be so attentive to his heart and sensitive to his spirit, giving the talk. I was just crying, telling the Lord, like, I want to pour out my life at your feet. I want my whole life to be a sacrifice of praise. Mm. And the Lord said, you are. Like right before I walked on stage, you know? It was particularly beautiful because I don't really consider myself a speaker. I give talks every week on Teachable Tuesday, but I just, I don't think of myself in that way. So it was a really special grace for the Lord that a part of my pouring out my life is talking, like is giving talks and talking about Him. Yeah. It was beautiful. Well, I'm excited to see it again this weekend, mm. to pray with you guys again mm, yeah. this weekend. <laughs> Mary, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of them with us. And you oh are gosh. such an integral part because worship is really important to us. And so you and Ike coming on this Phoenix retreat with us and praying with us is just such a gift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'm jealous because you and Beth <laughs> get to go on the rest of this year's retreats together yeah. and I'll be home. So this is our only moment together. With your sweet baby. Mary, would you mind closing us with a prayer? Oh, absolutely. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Papa, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for these incredible women. Lord, I thank you for the hearts that you've given them for you. Lord, I ask that you would just soak us the anointing of your love to just soak their hearts right now with your peace, with your presence, with your love. Lord, we thank you for this sisterhood. We thank you for just the ways that you always provide for us. And Lord, I ask that you would just give us refreshment for the ways that you're moving in our lives, seen and unseen. As we pray, all glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as As it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. Mary, we gotta go. Yeah. Time for retreat. We gotta go on retreat. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go back to Costco, probably. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Get that skinny pop. (laughs) Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.